Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'll go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 24 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JepDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How are you? Episode 24 already. Just do, like that. Do you have a jigsaw puzzle I can borrow? Because I have plenty of time up my sleeve right now. <laughs> uh, I do. It's um, it's fully made, though. But um, ironically, I was actually looking for puzzle glue online last night, not, not uh, holding my breath that it would get delivered on time. But, yeah, no, well... Um, it's a 40,000-odd piece puzzle you can buy online, Pete, so that'll keep you occupied for a bit. We've got a few weeks up our sleeve, that's for sure. So the AFL did call off the season and put it on delay on Sunday night. We did get through round one, but at least we are on hold until June the 1st, Jep. So what are your thoughts on the shortened quarters that we've seen in round one? Yeah, it was a different game, wasn't it? Like... Mm. Players that, what I noticed the most, like players that really struggled to get in the game at the start, <clears throat> really, pretty much couldn't get in. Yeah. Um, it was blink and you miss it type stuff, in, especially in the running games where um, a lot of goals were scored and there was a lot of free-flowing football. Yep. And I, I don't know if that was just mine, to, like it was just me, but I didn't see a lot of lockdown footy on the weekend there were there were moments for sure like and there were packs around the ball and all the rest of it i think the sydney game was was true to that but even that opened up to a point so um i know sydney new game style was to play on quite often um but yeah my my initial take on the shortened quarters was it was more free-flowing footy and faster football too there was no delay around that halfback back line switching um from coast to coast was it no, and that yeah, that was yeah, exactly. Those plus sixes in the back line. Uh, Collingwood did muck around with it a bit behind the ball yeah. um, or behind centre, but um, yeah, there wasn't the the standards um, movement. And I I noticed like a lot of players are playing on immediately when they had the opportunity. Last year, Jeppa, we had twenty two debuts in round one. This year, we had just thirteen. Your thoughts there? crazy oh it was crazy wasn't it and and a lot of them didn't really um impress either so look you can't um you can't win them all mate and this year's just unique in its own sense so yeah it doesn't help fantasy when we've got such limited looks on this episode jeb and i will go through a round one review next week we will discuss jeb's team at round one and the week after we will go through my team. So let's hit round one, Jeb. Carlton versus Richmond. I'll run through a few numbers here and then we can talk about a couple of the whole lot of players. Dustin Martin, he scored 90 points. Full game scenario, that was 112.5 points. He ended up being a massive 57% owned. Marley and Pickett, he scored 60 points. Full game, that equated to 75 points. Owned at 73%, which was quite moderate for me. I thought that was about right. Patrick Cripps scored 92 points, equated out to 115 points, 33% owned. I thought that was on the high side. And Sam Doherty, 95 points, equated to 118.8 points at 49% owned. I thought that was actually quite low. I thought Doherty would own be owned a quite a lot higher. Jeff, your thoughts there on any of those players? Well, initially, like with Dusty, he, he didn't get tagged too much. He wasn't <clears throat> really close check, so he was pretty much free to do as he pleased for most of it. Um, a lot of those good players like Dusty and Cripps and the like, their time on ground was 90, 
Well, Dusty's was 93%. Yep. Crips was 92%. Yep. Um, so that that Thursday night, my initial thought was, you know, when finalising my team the week the night after, was, geez, all, all these dominant players are really going to stay on the ground as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and and the Rooks, all 13 of them, really aren't going to get much of an opportunity to, to, you know, get into the game. So... Look, specifically, I thought Marlon Pickett did his job really well. Um, got his hands on it enough. I thought Dusty was very impressive. Just looks super fit and strong. And even Paddy Cripps looks a bit lighter and a bit um, tellier. Loved Doherty back. Just hadn't, it's like he hadn't missed a, a, a beat. So um, some positives for, from a fantasy point of view. But, um, yeah, it's... It was sort of a wake-up call to um, to what was installed for the for the round ahead, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. Onto the Western Bulldogs versus Collingwood. Bailey Smith, ninety-five points, one hundred and eighteen point eight points, four percent. Jeb, were you an owner of Bailey Smith? <laughs> it's probably the only thing I did right, um, Pete. It was it was very satisfying to watch that game, seeing that blonde mullet fly fly around in in the wind there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, he was fantastic. The, yeah, like I said, one one of the few things I actually got right. When you take Lipinski out of that midfield, yeah, and Wallace is only pretty much coming back from an interrupted pre-season, although he did spend a little bit of time in that midfield. Uh, Bailey Smith was pretty much a crush option at round one, Jeb. So Jack McRae, he scored 84 points, uh, solid 105 points in a full-game scenario, 35% ownership, uh, which was pretty moderate. I thought that was pretty much standard for Jack McRae with his high ceiling. Tim English, he sent a scare through owners early <laughs> in that game. Scott ended up 56 points. He was pretty solid in that second half. Um, he was. Which equated to 70 points at 6% ownership. So I didn't own English. Obviously, we've talked about on this podcast, Jeff, that you know we're high on his breakout season. And in that first half, it was just like a dominant performance from Grundy over English and but English did respond in the second half which was good for owners so if I, and if I did hold him at this stage I would actually be pretty bullish on his uh, scores for the rest of the year Josh Dunkley 59 points 73.8 points in a full game conversion Jep uh, 12% owned I thought that was actually quite low I thought he would be quite highly owned I did fade J- Josh Dunkley at round one I didn't think he was one player to own especially with Smith going into that midfield unfortunately I've, I've got him <clears throat> and um, yeah he's pretty disappointing I, I thought I thought he would. Um, I just thought the Bulldogs were on. I thought watching him in pre-season, they were raring to go, and that's why I jumped on. I guess uh, for me as well, on just on this round one, we didn't know whether we were going at round one 24 hours before the start of the season. So I'm willing to forgive every single one of the 18 teams here because the the players' mindset could have been at one end of the spectrum to to another. So. You know, the Bulldogs midfield and pretty much the Bulldogs team on Friday night, they absolutely got crushed. But I'm willing to, to excuse any team around one because, you know, obviously what we're going through worldwide and obviously in Australia and also, also AFL is that people's minds are all over the shop, even including me, probably you too, Jeb. So players yeah. trying to focus in on footy, you know, I'm giving them a massive excuse. But on to Brody Grundy there. 114 points, he smashed, he smashed English as we suspected, 142.5 points, ownership was a massive 61%. Jeb, I know you discussed throughout the preseason that you were fading Grundy, you did not, I did not either, he was my starting captain and I believe, is that right, you started him as captain as well? 
I did. The second thing I got right in my teammate, he, um, it was like a sigh of relief watching him run around and dominate. Um, you know, it was there was a moment there where I was going to go Josh Kelly um, or others. I even thought about Jack Chris for a moment. But, yeah, no, Grundy, safe bet. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, didn't disappoint. Jeremy Howe scored 110 points. And that equated to 137.5 points in a full game scenario. Just a low 4% ownership right there. So if you're on Jeremy Howe at the moment at 4%, that's a great thing. Jack Crisp, he scored 59 points, 73.8 points in a full game scenario. 23% ownership. Jeb, your thoughts on Crisp? Yeah, he disappointed me, my friend. He was my D1. Had to produce the goods and, and didn't come up that this game, but that's okay. Um Back on Jeremy Howe, I thought the, the inclusion of Imagine allowed, just completely um, changes Howe's role in that back six. So I think we can expect some pretty healthy scores from Howe throughout the year if, the, if that's um, Buckley's intent. The issue for Jack Crisp, uh, which I discussed in a periscope last night, was that late into the second quarter, the Bulldogs only had two inside 50s. I mean, two, literally two. So yeah. his, his opportunities to get his hands on that ball, I know that, the, as you mentioned earlier, that the Collingwood team did uh, hold on to the ball quite often there. But his ability to get the ball when it went into deep in defence just actually wasn't there in round one. So if you're an owner of Crisp is at 23%, I'd be still holding Crisp. I wouldn't be too concerned about that 59 points because that will bounce back against a stronger opposition team. Uh, one player that we were high on in the preseason. I remember messaging you and discussing you with you offline in our DMs. Jeb was Tyler Brown. He scored 46 points, 57.5 points in a full game scenario. 43% ownership was quite high. It was great to see him get a debut, and he did actually score okay in the end. Yeah, he did well. Um, it was probably as a result of Collingwood's dominance. He, he scored, you know, at a decent clip, but um, he looked, he didn't look out of place, sorry, and he. You know, he's, he's a smooth mover. You know, there's, you just got these footballers yeah, sure. that just know how to move um, laterally. Um, and, yeah, he, he's going to be a very good player for a very long time for the Pies. So, yeah, one rookie that ticked the box. Over to Essendon versus Freeman. It turned out to be quite a close finish in the end. Andrew McGrath, he scored 92 points, 115 points in a full-game scenario, 5% ownership. Jeb, I did start with him at M5. Ah, look at you go. Yeah, definitely. No, I... No, yeah, never, never considered um, personally. I, um, I'm, ironically, I had a player about to mention shortly, but um, yeah, no, McGrath. Yeah, the, the faith I have in McGrath was consistency. Um, so hopefully, yeah, he produces that for you this this season, Pete. The we did discuss that, you know, once I did see him in the under-18 championship several years ago, that, you know, his ball-winning ability through a midfield role was actually quite high. Um, and given that opportunity in the Essendon midfield to thrive, I thought his numbers could actually be high. I did flip around between him and Narkel, and there were a couple of other scenarios based on... It was pretty much came down to me whether De- Devon Robertson would be named. Uh, I know he did play in the end because he was a late in, but... Once Devin Robertson uh, was not named, that actually made my decision to lock in McGrath instead of a couple of other scenarios there. But anyway, we move on to Zach Merritt. Scored 75 points, 93.8 points in a full-game scenario. Just 4% owned, Jep. Uh, Devin Smith, 70 points, 87.5 points in a full-game scenario. 16% ownership. Any thoughts there on Devin Smith? 
uh, he was pretty locked at that half forward role. <clears throat> I, I don't know if you got the Senate bounce attendances there, but he that he was pretty few. Mm-hmm. So with McGrath, Shield, um, and others, it was like Devin Smith. The plan for Devin Smith this season is forward or centre, yep. um, which poses a risk for his scores. Really, I think he's going to be quite volatile in his scores. As Bit of a roller coaster ride, um, and I'm glad I didn't start with him. I did start with him. As much as I was high on McGrath, pretty much starting Devin Smith uh, and McGrath in the same team might not have been the wisest of choices. But uh, I did start with Smith. I had him at uh, F2 and 70 points, and at half forward roll, there are plenty of concerns there for me. On to Jacob Townsend. His scores were low in the preseason, and he bounced a little bit in round one. He scored 60 points, 75 points in a four-game scenario, 18% ownership. I thought that was actually ownership was quite low. I didn't start with him, Jet. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, I couldn't afford him, to be fair, and I thought Taylor and Woodrick would do the job. So, look, to get there, he scored three goals, and he was pretty quiet in the second half. Yep, definitely. On to Brett Bewley, he scored 89 points. Uh, was quite a healthy 111.3 points in a full game. So just 2% ownership there, Jep. Darcy Tucker, 82 points, 102.5 points in a full game. So at just 1%, can you believe that? We did discuss between Tucker and Brayshaw. You know, we'll get to Brayshaw's ownership at the moment, but I, I did actually flip on this decision between Tucker and Brayshaw, and unfortunately I did go over to Brayshaw. Uh, on to Sam Sturt, uh, definitely a good rookie there at the bottom price at 61 points for 76.3 points in a full game scenario, 22% ownership. So he provided a good start for those who started with Sturt. And again, Andrew Brayshaw scored 44 points. He struggled. His midfield usage was down compared to the preseason. Uh, 55 points in a full game scenario. And again, a high 42% ownership. I didn't like the 20% on Brayshaw. I didn't. I hated the 30%. Ended up being 42%. I didn't like it. I started with Brayshaw, and I have massive regret right here. Yeah, I, I look. I was pretty sold on him, and didn't <coughs> hadn't moved him pretty much all year. All this. 2020 year, I mean, um, after the Christmas break. And, um, yeah, 65% time on ground. Where does that come from? Yeah. So we got fooled. That's okay. Um, you know, but then again, like we got Buley on a wing, 85% time on ground. You know, his disposal efficiency here says 85%, but I'd argue that. Um and he was free to do as he pleased. Absolutely, and, yeah. Um, and it was actually quite frustrating watching it <laughs> because, you know, I, I didn't like the way he delivered the ball to his teammates. He did make a few errors. Um, it just seemed like Brayshaw deserved a bigger role and, and didn't get it. So um, the other thing I noticed in that game, like when they tried to pinch it, they had Lobb, Fife. And Walters all in the midfield starting center and one other obviously other midfielder that escapes me but they probably rotated and when they had that combo together they were on they were unstoppable yeah absolutely unstoppable so I, I started with Walters pretty happy with that um, and I like what I see with Walters and Fife was phenomenal like really really phenomenal 95% time on ground so there yeah, look there's from a fantasy point of view, we got options out of the Fremantle Dockers. Um, it's just whether, you know, the knee-jerk reaction is to trade Brayshaw to Buley. But that could backfire again next week. For sure. And especially when 
Okay. Or not next week when we're back. Sorry, exactly. yeah. we're already in, in. I'm already anticipating next week mode. I guess when Akers went out with his hamstring injury and Ash missed that second Marsh Community Series game, it sort of put into doubt. And Tucker went into that midfield in that second game there as well. Uh, it sort of put into doubt the roles there. So maybe that was one we could have highlighted there. For not only for us, but for the listeners as well, was that you know the doubt for the Brayshaw role. But he still, again, he looked great in that in that first game. He still looked okay in that second game. So in the end, I did start with him. But I have massive regret there, especially at forty-two percent. I just absolutely hate yeah, that. yeah. On to Adelaide versus Sydney. Jeb, for me, the Swans started uh, as, with Nate Smith as R one. So I'll definitely take the loss on our conversation on previous podcasts. But there's a potential, you know, back at a smaller SCG venue that that um, Longmire go, might go back to the dual ruck setup. Uh, obviously, we're not going to see that for quite a while now, and we have to actually just sit on that one game, small sample size. But I thought Longmire's coaching in this game was excellent. He went small in that forward line. Uh, Heaney was outstanding early, and pretty much the Sydney midfield crushed Adelaide. Yeah, they did. Um... You know, it was they ran over the top of them, and Naismith just you know that was the R two winner for round one really um, mm. at that price and, and his output it was it was pretty impressive. So you know after all all the options I ended up starting with Jacobs um, and regretfully obviously so it, it actually would have changed my whole makeup if I had Naismith at R two and as it would have most um, who didn't start with him but. Um, yeah, it just wasn't this week's score. I, I just like his tat work. He was quite physical. You know, he I thought he had you know, he had O'Brien O'Brien's measure. So um yeah, it's it's Sinclair's gonna be up against it to try and get back in the twenty two. Let's go through some scores here, Jeb. Rory Leeds got seventy points, eighty seven point five in a full game scenario. Ownership was sixteen percent, which is actually quite quite a good start for the lead there for me. Uh, Riley O'Brien, he scored 63 points, 78.8 points in a full-game scenario, 60% ownership. That ownership did dive. I think it was about 15% uh, in that, before that second Marsh Community Series game, so a lot of people jumped ship. I did have Riley O'Brien at R2 for most of my preseason, and I moved up to Max Gorn. Brad Crouch, he went for 58 points, 72.5 points in a full-game scenario. Ownership was just 3%. It's just one of those things. The Swans midfield crushed the Adelaide midfield and Crouch and his brother were a recipient of bad scores. Brody Smith was one of the bigger disappointments. I know he did get injured in that second quarter, Jep, and spent the entire third quarter off the ground. Scored just 35 points, 43.8 points in a full-game scenario, 23%. Jep, I can't remember. Did you start with uh, Brody Smith? Yeah, I did. He's my D2. Okay. Um I was pretty locked on my defence, and, and, you know, I, I'll take your score on the chin, but I think Brody's got way more to offer than that. Um, it's just, you know, we harped all, all pre-season about starting primos that would, you know, maintain scores and maintain their average, and, yeah, I really didn't fare well in that aspect, and, and Brody was one of them. On to Fisher McCassie. He scored just 16 points and 20 points in a full game scenario at 25% ownership. Most people 
Well, I certainly started with uh, McKessie, and I started him on the ground, unfortunately, for a low score there. Isaac Kenny for the Swans, as we mentioned, he was quite good, scoring 101 points, 126.3 points in a full game scenario, just 6% ownership. Sam Naismith, as mentioned earlier, 78 points, 97.5 points, 32% ownership. The ownership was high. I would like to know the breakdown of who, where he sat on most people's benches. I had him at R3, Jep. I wonder how many people of that 32% ownership had him at R2. Yeah, it's it's a good good question. Um, but yeah, ironic now because... You know, one of the op- one of the trading options is obviously bringing Naismith and and cashing in on that value given what transpired in round one. So, um, look, if you have Naismith, it's obviously a big a big advantage. Um, but either way, like if I decide to trade Jacobs to Naismith, which I probably won't end up doing, um, then you know a lot a lot of well when we resume football. He'll be he'll be more he'll be one of the most popular players. I would have thought. Jeb, one of these players that we did discuss, uh, not starting with at round one, was Jake Lloyd. He scored fifty five points, sixty eight point eight points in a full game scenario for thirty two percent ownership. Uh, your thoughts there on Lloyd? Probably suffered a good example. Him and Laird of how they suffered in the reduced time quarters. Um, you know that junk time. Mark kick, Mark kick, um, really didn't happen, did it? Especially in this close game. Yep. Um, but in the general reduced quarters, I, I think the backman have really hindered the most um, in, in this in this sort of uh, view view of our new uh, terms and conditions, is if you want to call them that. Um, so yeah, look, pretty. Again, probably the third thing I got right in, in my team. Jep, on to GWS versus Geelong. Sam Jacobs, 80 points, 100 points in a four-game scenario, 30% ownership, a lot of people on Jacobs, uh, and that was quite a healthy return at round one. Yeah, he um, he had to perform, didn't he, um, for many. But, yeah, I thought he did really well. Just take it with a pinch of salt. One thing I consider, although if Darcy Fort started well, he was, he was, you know, up against Geelong, and typically they show no respect to Ruckman. Yeah, for me, I guess the if Jacobs wasn't going to crush in round one against that opposition, he potentially could struggle for most of the season with his scores, but he did perform, and that's a good result for those who started with Jacobs. On to Stephen Cornelio, he scored 74 points, full game scenario, 92.5 points. Ownership was 35%. Lockie Whitfield scored 68 points, quite a low score for Whitfield. He started that actually okay in this game, finished with 85 points, Obviously, with a high salary there, his ownership was a whopping sixty-two percent. Jeb, did you? I don't think you started with Whitfield, as it? No, I, di- I didn't. I didn't at all. I couldn't afford him. It was the amount of ifing and ahhing um, I had with with Whitfield because he's just a guaranteed top six forward, isn't he? So, ninety-five um, percent time ground for Whitfield, two for sixty-eight. So, and I didn't think he played that badly either. I thought he he, he did his role. So that was interesting. Quentin Arkell, 44 points, 55 points in a full game scenario, 4%. He was one of those players I did wrestle with starting at round one. Thankfully there, I did not. Patrick Dangerfield was introduced to Matt DeBoer at the opening centre bounce. He just scored 40 points at round one for 50 points in a full game scenario. 11% ownership. Jeb, it's probably not bad for Dangerfield, the ownership, but the 40 points, that's a horrible way to start the year. 
Yeah, that hurts. It's um, worse than uh, Bonzapelli's 51. So, look, he was always going to wear him like a skin, wasn't he, Um, DeBoer? So, look, you expect danger to bounce back from that, obviously. For sure. On to Gold Coast versus Port Adelaide. Matty Rowe started quite okay. Jep, 64 points, 80% in full game scenario and 66% ownership. What are your thoughts on Rowe in his AFL debut? He was great. He was really, really good. So didn't make too many errors. Errors, sorry. Um, wasn't perfect, though. Um, but again, just a bit handball happy too. But in terms of role and job security um, from a rookie, it's it's lovely to see. Noah Anderson, he scored 33 points, 41.3 points in a full-game scenario. And ownership was quite high at 36%. It was just one of those players uh, that... At 36% ownership that we were struggling for rookies. So if you did earn Anderson at round one, it's actually still quite okay, especially if he's riding on your bench. Tom Rockliffe scored 91 points. Old Rocky back, 113.8 points in a full-game scenario. Jepper, just 1% owned. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I didn't rule him out. I was, there was a time, you know, the, the the day of lockout he was in my team. But, um, yeah, he looked okay. He looked pretty fit, actually, I must admit. So no good on him. Um and yeah, it's 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 midfield dominant. He was he was true to his word though. So he predominantly was midfield bench. Yep. Midfield bench. Um and I, I paid pretty good attention to that after like switch, switching between games <clears throat> between the um GWS and um Geelong game, I was paying particular attention to Rocky and yeah, he was true to his word what he said um a few weeks ago. Just on Rockcliffe there, Jeb, he did have off-season shoulder surgery, so give him another 10 weeks of pretty much another pre-season. At 1% owned, we could be looking at Rocky as a trading target at some stage in the future when the AFL returns. Very fair comment, and if there's an advantage of, of, of this scenario that we're in, um, with the older players like Rocky, Selwood, etc., yeah, that's one, one where they get that full rest. Um, the pressure's off their, their shoulders and whatever else they got wrong with them. And, um, yeah, Rocky, definite big target when we return. Dan Houston had a, was a bit of a struggle in the first half, Chip, against Gold Coast. End up scoring 79 points, 98.8 points in a full-game scenario. 46% ownership was quite high, obviously, starting in fantasy coaches' defences. Uh, it was a great second half to recover what looked like to be a disaster of round one. Yeah, definitely did. So thankfully he did recover. Um, and yeah, look, it's again, his role was there, wasn't it? So it's not a concern going forward. On to Mitch Georgie Artis. He scored 60 points, four games scenario, 75 points, 11% ownership. When Dixon was removed from that team at round one, that Georgie Artis was going to be a bit of a focal point in a pretty good matchup against the Suns, Jep. Yeah, he, he, he was really good. Um, but I can't see it see it happening really. And I look at Lacocious was on him for a bit and I thought he outmuscled Lacocious at times as well. Mm-hmm. On to North Melbourne versus St Kilda. Just a couple of players here we want to touch on. Curtis Taylor uh, was a slow start for Taylor. He did recover a little bit, finished with 47 points, 58.8 points in a full game scenario. His ownership, obviously, after the second Marsh Community Series game, uh, increased to 36%. 
and Dylan Robertson uh, was pretty much the fail of round one. He scored 20 points, 25 points in a game scenario, four game scenario, and 50% ownership. Your thoughts there on Robert and Jet? Yeah, that was disappointing. And I, I think I, we discussed, we would have discussed, I didn't want to start with Robertson uh, this season. I, that was one of my point of differences. And um, I just forced out. So, um, and then with Curtis Taylor, I thought he was great. I thought he was pretty big in their the revival of North Melbourne, considering they had quite a few injuries. Um, I think they were down to one player on the bench at, yep. towards the end of the game. So, yeah, Curtis Tuttle was great. Really, like his tackling pressure and his involvement, his delivery inside 50. Yep. You know, a lot of things coaches love. So, thankfully, Curtis Taylor showed up. Um, yeah, and Robertson's got to bounce back. The issue for Robert in there is that even when Ben Long went off early in the game and missed uh, pretty much a full quarter in the end, is that Robertson's scores did not accelerate. So it might be just one of those things we've got to keep an eye on across uh, the halfback line in these shortened quarters, whether you know these halfback role players do start to miss out. On to the Hawks versus Brisbane. Jeb, Chad Wingard, uh, he scored 100 points, 125 points in a four-game scenario, 5% owned. Uh, for those who owned him at round one, it was a great start. Yeah, and I, um, Selby's tweet made me laugh because um, <clears throat> I think a few years ago he he had Wingard in his side to, to get into number one overall. So, yeah, Wingard was great. Um, Mid-forward. Roll split. Uh, I'm not sure of the, his exact split percentages, but you know he, he was a, he was prolific enough in the midfield to do damage. So, and three goals obviously helps his scores. So yeah, look, a tick first round anyway. He can win enough ball when he runs between the arcs in that midfield, and obviously he can hit the scoreboard there as well. So it's a great start there for Wingard. On a Tom Mitchell, great return to football after the 2019 season of a broken leg and missed season. Mitchell scored 82 points, 102.5 points in a four-game scenario, 53% owned. Jeb Mitchell returned round one. He was great. Yeah, amazing. So tick the box. Did his job for for Hawthorne and for any AFL fantasy coaches that only John Segler, fifty five points, sixty eight point eight points in a full game scenario, just two percent owned there. But obviously the starting ruck, uh, I did look at him over the preseason to start. Uh, thankfully I did not. Uh, his scores could be a little bit volatile, especially in shortened quarters. I think he's just going to miss out on you know what could be opportunities late in quarters there. Lockie Neal, great start for him at round one, 108 points at 135 points in a four-game scenario, 23%. I thought that was actually quite high for Neal at round one, Jep. Yeah, he um, he was one I wanted to start with again between <laughs> Dunks, um, Bunsen, Pelly and Neal. They're all in the mix. And, um, oh, yeah, look, he... Ten tackles in that in a reduced game yep. is what I notice in those stats, and zero marks. So zero marks, ten tackles, and still scores 108 in reduced quarters. Pretty pretty impressive. A scores at the MCG are one to watch there for me, especially for Lockie Neal. On to the final game, Jep. There it is: West Coast versus Melbourne. Andrew Gaff, old reliable Andrew Gaff, scored 107 points, 133.8 points, 6% ownership, Jeb, so, which is still quite low, and he is ever-reliable. He just hits that ceiling every time. He's, it, and, look, the game allowed him to, because it was just possession football. Yep. Um, and there was probably, this was the game where junk time presented itself, and I'm looking at the marks. Eight marks to Shuey, eight marks to Gaff, nine to Hearn, six to Sheed, eight to Jetta. 
So, yeah, massive possession footy from my team, which was great. And, and Gaff was obviously one of those who, who gave us the, a decent score. Jep, the Eagles players talked up Jared Brander out of the preseason once they come back from Christmas. Uh, you were telling me about an article you read in a coffee shop there, <laughs> reading over the paper about Jared Brander. Uh, for me, it was uh, I was a little bit hesitant on Brander coming into round one, but thankfully he got a start. He was in my defence as well. He scored 61 points, 76.3 points, 53% ownership. Again, we were struggling for defenders, especially for rooks in that back line. So Brander presented a great opportunity, and thankfully he did score well. He did. He did in this game. But mark my words, at the start of the game, as a fan watching the footy, I was swearing my head off at him because he kept turning the ball yes, over. Yes. Um, poor disposal. I yep. think it was like three three follow-ups in a row. He just absolutely botched it. Yep. So, look, we've we got to watch his job security. Um, yep. I started with him on the bench. I assume you did too. Um, on the ground for me. Oh, he's on the ground for you. So, yeah, tick, tick a box there. But... Look, that, that's a risk um, going forward, I reckon. I, You know, if there was a negative to come, even though West Coast dominated the game, that, that Brando on that, in that position and he was sort of, you know, he actually did what he wanted. He wasn't too accountable for his opponent. Yeah. Um, in, in Tomlinson at um, for most of the game, not all the whole game. So, yeah, I, I'm glad he's on my bench. <laughs> Jep, when I was watching that game, I know the sequence of events is that the AFL season was on suspension. But three minutes into that game, watching Brander, I was I was thinking he ain't gonna see round two. So it was actually <laughs> yeah. so it was pretty much for me. He responded a little bit, but yeah, after two or three minutes, I thought, oh, there's no chance here. And his job security was a bit bit iffy, but at least he got enough of the ball to score 61 points in round one. Jack Varney, we have mentioned Jack Varney, lost the cap- captaincy uh, over the preseason, scored a whopping 132 points, Jeb, 165 points in a full-game scenario, and 7% uh, owned. So for those who started, Jeb... Tears are flowing, mate. Tears are flowing. I had him at M5 for most of the preseason, and I swapped it. I swapped it because I didn't have Whitfield in and I didn't need to save the extra coin. Um, And, yeah, that was heartbreaking to watch. He was on a mission, wasn't he? Yeah, he's full on. Uh, I don't own Volney at this stage and I'm still pretty happy not to own him. I still think his score is going to be volatile. But for those 7% that did start with him at round one, congratulations. What a massive score to start with. Christian Petrarca, his midfield usage was high. His preseason, that was exactly his role, and it played out in round one. He scored 90 points, 112 points in a full-game scenario, and 20% owned. So a few people did jump on him at round one. He was quite good uh, at round one. Jep? Yeah, interesting with Petrarca. He had an extra. He had 11 contested possessions, which is second highest for Melbourne. So he, was, mm. he had more contested possessions than Clayton Oliver. Yeah, it was quite good, and Oliver was a little bit slow on the day, but ended up being okay. But I thought Petrarca, his role was great, and I think his scores are going to be there throughout the season once we return. Max Gorn, he scored 73 points, full-game scenario, 91.3 points, 13% ownership. I thought that was quite okay. I started with Gorn at round one due to that ownership. I just thought he's a premium ruck. Obviously, we know... uh, 
the shortened quarters, but I thought there was one that was one player with Grundy, and I have Nate Smith at R3 there, that I wanted to start with that ruck scenario, and I was actually still quite happy with it, even though Gorn was on a low score in round one, Jep. Yeah, uh, takeouts of the game. He struggled with Nanui's physicality, but I, like you said, I think he will be far more prolific against other opposition. Definitely. And the final player we're going to discuss tonight is uh, Cosia Pickett. He was actually quite okay in the end. Scored 44 points, 55 points in a full-game scenario, and 4% of coaches owned him. He might be one player that I might look at when I'm flipping te- uh, players around, hopefully if and when we return, Jep. Yeah, he... Um, just, like trademark um, small forwards. So, yeah, really, really impressive. Obviously, that's the uh, podcast for today, and that was a review of round one. Uh, again, Jeppa will go through his team next week, and I will do my team uh, the week after. So we've actually got a lot of podcasts filled until hopefully we hit round two in early June, Jep. Before I close this podcast, if you would like another chance at scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out on Twitter. We'll give it a few away at the midpoint of the 2020 season. Jet, on that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and please stay healthy and clean. Thanks, everyone.